A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Michael Reed on LMFM. Brian Kaloran, the Chief Executive Officer of uh, the Immigrant Council of Ireland, is on uh, the line to talk to us about uh, this horrendous uh, discovery in Essex yesterday. Good morning to you, Brian, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. And I don't think that there's anybody listening to us now in this country or further afield who doesn't cringe at the thoughts of how horrific it must have been to have opened the doors of a sealed container to discover that it was a mass coffin with 39 deceased persons inside. But is it something, do you think, that we all must take some responsibility for? Well, good morning, Michael. Yeah, I think I think that's everybody's first reaction in terms of the human impact of what we saw. And unfortunately, it's not the first time. And unfortunately, it won't be the last time. There's been numerous instances like this over the last number of years where a large number of people have been found in this kind of condition, unfortunately, at once. But And there's also many other instances that we don't hear as much about of individuals or one or two people who unfortunately lose their lives trying to cross a border in some way uh, throughout Europe uh, and, and as well between, say, France and the UK and between even into Ireland in the last number of years as well. So... It, 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 the human reaction is the first point and then I suppose it, it leads us on then to the questions that naturally come after that as to how this type of thing happens. And how this type of thing happens, I suppose, is really the fact that people are in very desperate circumstances and that continues, you know, the, the, the plight of refugees and asylum seekers throughout Europe received an awful lot of attention in 2015, 2016, and then to a certain extent died out as, as the numbers started to drop and as the measures were put in place to try and stem the flow of people entering Europe. But it didn't stop it. You know, people are still trying to enter Europe either across the Mediterranean or across borders. And as a continent, we still continue to address this mm in the manner of fences and restrictive immigration controls, which, as I say, have managed to stem the flow to a certain extent. But which comes from level. attitude, which comes from the way people think. Yes. People resist other people coming into their country. I, I mean, to a large degree, it's what's happening in the UK with Brexit, isn't it? Well, I think, you know, we've definitely seen in the last five years an increase in kind of anti-migrant sentiment. Mm. And some of that is informed by concerns that people have about local infrastructure and housing and very legitimate things that, that people are concerned about at local levels that have been targeted towards migrants, unfortunately, mm. in some settings, but also have been kind of exploited by politicians. We see, you know, governments across mm. Europe that are openly and virulently um, anti-migrant. Um, and they are leading, I suppose, an agenda of kind of yeah. fear and distress trust and disinformation. Or Donald that, Trump suggesting that, that it would be wrong to shoot Hispanics coming over the border and uh, the great support he receives from American people for those attitudes. 
Well, those kind of narratives are not harmless, you know. Like people, mm. there, there's not there is not a wide gulf between political forces saying things like that and the actual policies that are then carried out that result in in real life impacts upon people's lives, and mm. um, especially those that are that are trying. True, it has to be absolute desperation to try and do something like this, you know, mm. to try and get into a, a, a truck that may or may not result in you losing your life mm. uh, at the other end of the journey. Well, that's it. I mean, you know? it seems to me, Brian, uh, that. It's pointless saying, oh, those poor people, oh, those terrible people who trafficked them, the human uh, traffickers uh, and so on, they all should be put in prison and locked away for years if you vote for Donald Trump, if you vote for anti-immigrant policies for that matter. Well, I, I think there there is what happens is I suppose the first the first point is the desperation of, of mm. people moving. The second point then is the official state sanctioned responses that you get to it in the form of fences and restrictive immigration controls. And then I suppose the next thing you get then is is criminal profiteers who try and exploit that gap. Mm. Um, we we spent time in the in the camps in Calais and Dunkirk in 2015 and 2016, and those camps were circled by by people smugglers just waiting to take advantage of the situation. And they are not you know altruistic humanitarian. No, but that's because there was a situation that they could take advantage of. Absolutely. They're mm. criminal gangs mm. looking to take mm. advantage of people's desperation. And they, they have, you know, on the most part, have absolutely no concern whatsoever for people's lives. It, it's about profit. Mm. And the people who get into the back of these trucks, they don't just do so knowing that there's a, a risk, a, a huge risk uh, to their well-being and indeed their lifespan. Uh, but quite often they pay huge amounts of money for the opportunity. That is, that's it. You know, generally, like, we, we've come across instances, I suppose, uh, particularly in northern France when we were there, but you hear it about an awful lot as well, where figures of thousands and thousands of euros being handed over, people essentially giving their life savings for an opportunity that may or may not work. And needless to say, if it doesn't work, it could end up in the loss of life, or if it doesn't end, if it doesn't work and you get caught and you get sent back, you don't get a refund, you know? So people are spending every resource they have and every opportunity they have to, to try and get to somewhere where they can have an opportunity for a better life. Mm. Um, and it's a very difficult issue in the long term. You know, like European countries, in Ireland included, have signed up to things like the UN Global Pact on Migration, which talks about expanding legal routes for migration to allow for the fact that more people are on the move than ever before in human history, essentially. Mm. Um, but actually signing a pact and then going on to the stage of actually doing that and having more legal routes for migration is something that hasn't materialised as yet. We're still in the, in the situation of very very restrictive policy, very restrictive controls, and an overall sentiment of push people back. You know, we still have camps in Northern Africa, in Libya, that everybody is screaming from the rooftops are massive human rights violations. And those camps are funded by the European Union. You know, we give money to them. Irish taxpayers' money goes to these camps in Northern Libya, which are abusing human rights. And that's the situation we're in, unfortunately. Are are we joining up the dots, though, in terms of how we think about this? Uh, I mean, when you talk uh, about people taking these great risks, paying out huge amounts of money uh, certainly massive amounts of money as far as the people we're talking about are, are concerned to take this risk a risk they see as an opportunity should they survive it uh, and as we saw in Essex yesterday they quite often don't survive it but when they're looking for a, a better life is that to come here uh, and avail of social welfare or some of the other things uh, that they end up being accused of when they get here well, I think it's you know it, it it is there's a public attitude around that 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 sometimes leans towards that assumption. I, I can assure anybody out there, 
Irish and UK social welfare measures are incredibly restrictive and do not allow for easy access to anything like that, just on an administrative level. But the reality, again, is that most people are not moving for social welfare benefits. Most people are moving in instances where they have little choice, but they have some connection usually to somewhere that they're going. So we met people in northern France that wanted to go to the UK, not because it's a utopia of social welfare benefits, but usually because they have family in there. They have a network that they can establish themselves into. They might have cousins or uncles or whoever it may be that gives them somewhere to point themselves at. And often as well, a lot of people will have a minimal level or a good level of English as a second language. So things like that are are push factors towards a certain location, not a utopia of social welfare benefits, which is not the reality at all. It's incredibly restrictive, especially if you enter a country undocumented. You are not entitled to anything. You cannot access any services whatsoever. Um, And people still enter knowing that that's the circumstance because that's better than what's behind them. Somehow Mm. that's better than what's behind them. Uh, And maybe you'd explain to us what is behind them. Why do they take this great risk? In most instances, as we've seen, like the migratory flows to Europe over the last number of years have been for very definite reasons. You know, we've seen Syria, which everybody knows is in the forefront of everyone's consciousness. And again, in the last couple of weeks, unfortunately, due to, due to what's happened in northern Syria, um, Afghanistan and Iraq still maintain, still, still produce large flows of people seeking protection because those situations are far from sorted out. Um, but we also see situations of, of uh, African countries like Eritrea, for example, that have issues around conscription. So at the age of 16 or 17, you're conscripted into the army and you're not let out of the army until you until you die until you pass away it's conscription for life and people run away from that kind of instance but of course we also see people fleeing now the new phenomenon a relatively new phenomenon of climate change so people are losing their their incomes and that's a major push factor of migration as well but as well if you look at the economic disparity between somewhere like the european union and sub-saharan africa the, the very fact of any opportunity whatsoever in the European Union is a massive draw factor, particularly for young people in Africa, because they don't see their future there. They don't see that they'll have opportunities there. And these are the complex push factors that drive people, not, you know, the holy grail or the, the kind of inevitability that some might think of getting social welfare or anything like that. They're, you know, these are real issues and they're real issues that are driving people into desperate situations. Well, there's a little less real than life and fleeing for your life or uh, from a, a life not worth living, uh, as is uh, the case uh, in uh, many of uh, the individual stories uh, that we're talking about uh, when it comes to people making such drastic decisions, such as uh, the one the 39 dead people took to get into the back of a, a truck. Uh, the investigations obviously have to take place, Brian, and uh, I'm sure we'll leave the authorities uh, to do their work. But but uh, do you believe uh, that uh, there is an Irish element involved in people smuggling? I th- well, we do um, a lot of work, in particular in the area of, of human trafficking. Now, human trafficking is different from people smuggling. People smuggling is usually somebody entering into a circumstance that they know they're paying somebody to cross a border in 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 some way, and generally it, it, it's it's kind of undertaken in that manner. Trafficking is different. Trafficking comes from the position of deception. So you're deceiving somebody, you're bringing somebody in saying, oh yeah, no, we'll get you a job or we'll bring you in on a student visa and you're going to be able to work. And, and you end up as a prostitute or something like that. Or something else horrible happens. Harvest, yeah, harvesting marijuana or something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. well-documented instances of all of that. Um, and we work a lot in that area and that absolutely exists in Ireland as it exists in every other country in the world, unfortunately. But also... 
smuggling does exist too. You know, we've seen instances in the past where it has been detected. There was that instance in Rosslair a couple of years ago and where, again, unfortunately, a number of people lost their lives when they were uh, discovered in Rosslair. It is a phenomenon. It's the underbelly of migration, essentially, when, when the, the legal routes and the legal options are not available to people, these kind of areas prol- proliferate, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and when we said in 2015 and 2016, the migration crisis in, it, that, was, uh, that Europe experienced, even though crisis is maybe a strong word because, mm-hmm. you know, in comparison to the world, it wasn't uh, to the same scale at all. But that was an instance where this was like Christmas for people smugglers. This was the perfect example of an opportunity for them to profit, you know, and, and people profit off human misery, unfortunately, and, and we need to really wise up to the situation that creates this human misery. Okay, well, no doubt it was a, a terrible discovery yesterday. It was a terrible thing, but perhaps it reminds us all that it is a terrible world at times. Brian, we leave it there, and thank you indeed for joining us here on the programme this morning. Brian Cloran, Chief Executive Officer of the Immigrant Council of Ireland. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. LMFM. 